0: Mike Duffy called them the boys in short pants, and they're both boys and girls, because I've seen Women and men. Hello, this is episode 52 of the boys in short pants, the 53rd episode. Uh, we are back with our friend, who in town briefly, uh, David Moskrop, Dr. David Moskrop. You are yes, you're, you're like super doctor now.
1: I am, yes. Yeah. Let me, I can do blood work. Excellent. I can I can I write prescriptions all the, the global time. The Globe and Mail will even refer to you as a doctor. <laughs> they will now. They yeah. they've changed their policy after that they? kerfuffle. Yes. Yes, I saw that. I I actually go by Dave typically. I'm a little bit embarrassed by the doctor title, but mm-hmm. that is also sort of my white male yes positionality, as we say in the social sciences.
0: That that will change, I think, upon contact with students, because it's like, yeah, Dave, uh, what's up, man? And like, no, you're good. I'm Doctor no, Mosscroft. Just... You don't call me Dave.
1: Yeah, I just I try not to spend too much time talking to students
2: That's are reasonable. you our first returning guest or second returning guest i'm trying to think if we've ever had anyone on twice so far
0: i don't think so I but think... i'm gonna get an angry dm from someone yeah. that has been on twice i like bet but no i think uh i think that is that is it sure yeah. has ian been on twice i think no, he's only been on once i don't think so yeah, Slackers. yeah. Anyway. Uh, so welcome back. Thank you so much. Our, our returning returning champion.
2: You picked an exciting week to be here. An you exciting did? few days, in oh, fact, yes. for the big Ottawa cabinet shuffle. Yes.
0: Yes, yeah, it's been a lot of content. So actually, we'll just we'll launch right into that, the cabinet shuffle. Um, it has been described by Lisa Raid, among others, as uh, a sign of failure. It's been described by others as uh, a reset. It's been described by some others as not, not that big a deal, really, no matter how you slice it. Well, where do you guys come down on this?
1: I love the the, the takes in this town. It's just political pinata. Isn't this is it? a take. You just break. whack the donkey, and then you get a little bit of everything, don't you? I, you know,
0: much like in real life.
1: Yeah, I, I'm seeing it as it's funny. As it's basically like a, a procedural sitcom from the conservatives. And you've <laughs> got to you've got to call yeah. it a failure, no matter what, right? You you could have appointed a minister for agreeing with the conservatives and they would have said it's a failure of yeah. leadership
2: hey 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 they did credit the appointment of the seniors minister uh in, well, they in would, her, her <laughs> remarks. she credited
0: that particular portfolio so it wasn't all right thank there was, you for there a, a ministry a little, of there was our supporters a so was, I think, finally a ministry dedicated <laughs> to our supporters i'm very glad that someone is finally thinking about seniors in ottawa Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, just a really underserved demographic. Yeah,
1: I I, I can't wait for the minister of um, PR firms. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, so I, I do think it's an election prep. I, that take yeah. I saw, and I think I agree with that. It's I agree with the claim that it's a defensive move as well. Sure. It speaks at once to, um, you know, an a rebuke, I think, of the United States in a preparation for uh, probably some belligerent relationships with the provinces, and it also signals i think there's some problems with this but i think it signals to the, the country that the liberals are on the files that matter and don't worry about it we're on top of it yeah and we can get into this a little bit later but i think it it, it extremely problematically securitizes vulnerable people it yeah. it treats you know asylum seekers like security risks well
0: i mean the the so we'll we'll, we'll cut Very to we'll, we'll give you the context there. there for for folks listening is that bill blair former uh, toronto police chief uh g20 notoriously handled that and the <laughs> protesters there and various other policing portfolios that people feel like he you know handled like most police chiefs do mm-hmm. um was appointed as the minister for Uh, Border security and organized crime.
1: The reduction of organized organized crime. crime. Yes, not the (laughs) (laughs) promotion. That that
0: was more Uh, territory. That's right. Uh, But yeah, so... Yeah, so I... Your point there is that treating those two things as sort of like security slash law and order problems is buying into the conservative narrative around, you know, the... Refugee it asylum seeker crisis. It, it and, uh, seeds
1: that ground, I think, yeah. entirely. Because it says, well, this we're, we're going to take this away from immigration. We're not going to treat this as a humanitarian hmm. issue. We're not going to treat this as an immigration issue. We're going to treat it as a security issue. Yeah. And you should treat these people, then, therefore, as security threats. And oh, by the way, just in case you had any doubts, we're going to stick them alongside reducing organized crime so that it is it it has all of the subtlety of the howard stern show so
0: there's there's an interesting parallel too because when immigrate like they appointed uh john mccallum in the sort of first cabinet it was immigration refugees and citizenship Mm -hmm. became like the sort of like flagship thing of how they were going to handle that issue uh and now they i think they've completely turned out on that i think for like a political you know while we're talking about the election. You had a budget this year that was very much trying to tack to their left Mm -hmm. in terms of like wow like we're doing so much for women and for equality and you know this pharmacare half-ass thing that they're sort of hinted at and then the cabinet (laughs) shuffle six months later is all about tacking to the right uh which is you know classic liberal triangulation but there you go
2: so i would agree with that and let me, let me defend the liberal position a little bit here so that they're not the uh, the pinion in the room.
0: <laughs> um, what podcast do you think you're on? Okay? on.
2: <laughs> Starting with the public safety portfolio. So we don't have the mandate letters yet. I think the mandate letters are going to be released in uh, a week or two. So in absence of the mandate letters, it's actually really hard to say what exactly Bear, uh, Bill Blair's role is going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the border security... border security generally is split over two different ministers presently, or it was as of two days ago, uh, which was uh, Minister Goodale and Minister Hussein. And so IRCC takes the policy lead, and then CBSA through Goodale takes the enforcement lead, right? And there's not a ton of overlap between those two. And what's sort of unclear is which half of this equation Bill Blair is going to be charged with. Yeah. Is it the IRCC asylum claim policy side or is it CBSA? And a lot of it actually starts to trickle into RCMP um, because RCMP are the people... Um, greeting asylum seekers at the border, Mm -hmm. essentially, and and taking that initial contact.
0: You make a good point there, uh, but I think it's perhaps an artificial distinction. You think about you look at GAC right now. GAC has no fewer than five ministers overseeing its various portfolios. Melanie Jolie, this is sorry, once again, burying kind of the lead here, but Melanie Jolie was demoted from Heritage to a grab bag of official languages, tourism, and francophonie, which is cutting across several different departments as well. So I think the Liberals aren't shy about having ministers whose portfolios kind of straddle different ministries. That's
2: not really my point. My point is when we're looking at Bill Blair's role, beyond the actual name of the title... But I'm saying that it could cut both ways. It could cut both ways. I don't think it will. I I think it'll probably be one half or the other. Um, And I think... It'll more likely be the CBSA side. I think that's
0: very likely. Yeah, frankly, if we had to pick
2: one, the public safety portfolio is enormous. It's likely one of the largest portfolios in government, especially in the breadth and diversity of issues that it covers, as well as the number of fires that need to be put out. Yes, it covers RCMP. It covers CSIS. It covers CBSA. It covers uh, corrections. CSC. Um, and then it also has parole board, as well as a bunch of sort of uh, accountability agencies like CERC is sort of quasi in there. Yeah. Uh, things like the RCMP's External Review Committee. Like it is a huge and also huge, the uh, as well as Public Safety proper as yeah. a, as a department and the great government panopticon that is the
0: government operations center
2: and and the go- <laughs> <laughs> yes the the government operations center one of the one of the lesser known ones. Uh well it's it's a bunch of people with computers and and Excel sheets but um, yeah I mean, you've
0: described a lot of government there <laughs> to be honest with you. and a lot of and a lot of the private sector as well for that matter um,
2: but but all of that is to say I think a lot of reaction to what exactly Bear, uh, Bill Blair's role is going to be beyond the title is superficial hmm. um, I think there's a lot to come and a lot to be fleshed out in all of these ministers' roles because they literally only provided. Mm-hmm. Two to three sentences describing what these are. Yeah. Um, for instance, one of their ministers of who was it that has the trade promotion portfolio? Uh,
0: Car? Is it, no. no trade diversification. Diversification. diversification.
2: A, <laughs> they've split diversification yes. from promotion. I, I think it's promotion. It's uh, it's not Jolie. Is it Jolie that has it?
0: No. Jolie has. Uh... Official it's, languages, tourism, and um, uh, kind of if, if only someone had printed the list, yeah, sorry. Um,
2: anyways, it's one of the new sort of junior ministers, yeah. But when you look at Mary no, Mary is seniors, no. or sorry, 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 no, she no. isn't. Um, so maybe it's Mary and her responsibility, well, of course, you, is the
0: former appointments director at PMO, who uh, who was elected in a by election, among
2: many other things, yes. Um, so her responsibility in title is trade promotion. Um, but based on what we've seen so far, she's only in charge of BDC. Um, Hmm. Which is one of the lesser trade promotion yes. arms I mean, of the ex- government. You would
0: expect it to be EDC, which is Export Development, rather than the Business Development Bank.
2: Or the Trade Commissioners within Global Affairs. Sure. Hmm. And the fact that it seems to be neither of those hmm. makes it seem like it is literally just a title. Yeah. Sure and, our other
0: thing is small business.
2: And the fact that BDC is an organization that runs with very, very little input or oversight yeah. from ministers. It's yeah. essentially
0: an independent crown corp. I mean, it is an independent crown corp. Yeah, if <laughs> it, runs,
2: it runs on <laughs> autopilot. It's it's like yeah. creating a minister of the Postal Service and then the Postal Service being like, no, like, get fucked. Like, we have nothing for you to do here. You you show yeah. up every other year and maybe like, yeah, sign like, a stamp go or to something.
0: The, you go to the board meetings. Yeah, like, that's, like not, not that's much more. It. Yeah. So it's not a super hands-on portfolio. And there's a couple of those that are kind of, like, seem to be minister in name only.
2: So wait, let me let me take that and then bridge back to sure. some of David's yeah. points. Um, so when it comes to border, um, we, we can have the discussion as to whether or not um, you know, the security framing is right with the asylum seekers, maybe there was a mistake made there, but when it comes to border issues and you're giving someone if if he is in fact getting the CBSA portfolio, um it is very hard to give someone border and not have a security frame Because no, I, that I, is uh,
0: like I think that, I think we all that's that's agree the that if,
1: yeah, it's the splitting I mean I think no, I mean politically by the way, I think it's gonna work for them. I'm talking normal. I think it was the wrong, moral, morally the wrong thing to do.
0: But I think it will backfire on them eventually. Because if you accept, you know, right-wing, like, if you accept immigration as a security issue, you run into, like, you seed a lot of rhetorical I, I agree. But also,
1: I mean, he, so Bill Blair started talking immediately, day off, about the safe third country agreement, which leads me to believe that he might have something to do with that. Or if he wasn't at least told not to. To, to leave alone because it was someone else's business. Sure. He was talking about it, and for me, that's the ball game. That'll be the future of what we do about that. Yeah. That's going to signal what we really care about when it comes to this: is do we consider the United States a safe country? Uh, do are we prepared to accept more people and and to legitimize that or or not? And that to me is going to be the big policy debate. And I do think it'll rebound on them. But the question is: is that you know before October twenty nineteenth or after? And I think it's yeah. after. So no, I think oh, this yeah, is a sure. short. This yeah. is this is I think a defensive move for the mid run rather than a long-term reorganization. Of no, because I think, right? yeah, sure. long run,
0: it's, I think, mean, yeah, like, I mean, you look at Clinton's rhetoric in the 90s about illegals, and, like, oh, that certainly didn't end up working out for Democrats. Yeah, like, that's right. <laughs> I think that's one right. of the fun
2: yeah. things about Bill Blair, to really just dig into him for a minute, is that he has virtually no constituency of people who like him. Cops, yeah. maybe?
0: But even then, he's on uh, the so side. Yeah.
2: I think he's, like, I think he's maybe gets along well with most in the policing community. I, I imagine there are some... Dude- the policing community. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I ma- well, actually, I'm going to say law enforcement community. I imagine there are some grudges there, but I mean, just broadly in on the political spectrum, he's Generally loathed by the right um, for... He's the um,
0: SJW cop.
2: For takes on firearms and other things. Remember, and he, then he on told the,
0: Doug Ford to, that he was unfit to be mayor or whatever.
2: And then on the center and the left, I think there's a lot of concern G20, of... G20, baby. G20, Ooh. carding, a lot yeah. of other things. So the fact that he's taken such a prominent role in this government is actually sort of Well, if he makes funny. both
0: sides angry, then you know it's the right thing. <laughs> but he's competent
2: and quiet, though, right? I mean, this is, I think,
1: the reason is he's got this, you don't see him very much in the press. No. He's not flopping around like Christ in the Crucifix shop. You know, he's doing his work, and he's getting the job done, or at least what he's instructed to do. We can, dec- we can have the debate whether or not he should be doing it. But he gets it done, and without much fanfare.
2: And as, as a parliamentary
1: secretary... Just a real lunch pail
0: minister, you know? <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, nine to five, lunch last last, clock.
0: last one out of the gym every day. Yeah.
2: To... It's worth noting that as a parliamentary secretary, um, he was responsible for stick-handling the cannabis file and was in fact made the parliamentary secretary to both the Minister of Health and Minister of Justice simultaneously. Which serve both big portfolios. By virtue of his position in yeah. the cannabis file. Um, and insofar as cannabis is becoming legalized on October 17th, I think it was seen as job well done. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I what I find interesting. Except pardons. <laughs> Quick aside. Yes. Talk about <laughs> Hard that. Hard agree. We, we can we can add that onto the agenda for discussion at the end because I, I have a few things to say about pardons. There so. we go. <laughs> um, but I actually think it's sort of interesting when you look at uh, Blair versus Leslie in terms that would be Leslie. of their roles within the Liberal government so far. Um, Leslie, of course, was one of the quote-unquote superstars the liberals recruited. Yes. And he has played, you know, a reasonably large role. He was initially whip, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm, yeah. and then he was made uh, parliamentary secretary for NAFTA, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And has been responsible for spearheading uh, the NAFTA file, but on that he's, you know, he's sort of been doing a lot of community meetings and yeah. well, a lot that, of a lot of domestic. There, there's a
0: very good reason he didn't make it to cabinet, and it's because it would be too expensive to move him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was interesting to be that he didn't make cabinet, and he hasn't
2: been put into one of these positions. And instead, they're tapping. You know, law enforcement over military. Yeah. Of, of two sort of equal superstars from their respective realms. Sure. Um, and that Leslie has actually sort of fallen by the way. Is he GTA? Leslie's yeah. Ottawa. 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 Leslie's Orleans. Orleans.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, here's the other thing. Do we... There are other dynamics sure. at work here. Sure. One of them is regional, provincial. One of them is, is representational, you know. Who, do no we need shortage. another white dude from Ontario? Because, I mean, there was a play here, to, as some have pointed out, to focus more on Quebec and on Ontario in terms of regions that they might want to try to shore up NPC. and protect. And to some extent, BC was, with Andrew yeah. Wilco, or It was with, Vancouver, Wilkinson, GTA, and
2: Montreal yeah. were the three areas large. Is Hamilton yeah. part of the G- GTA? It's GTA. GTHA. Really GT-HA. Okay. Yeah. Um, were the three, five of the new, the five new ministers came from those three respective cities. Yes. So it entirely did seem to be shoring up yeah. support in Sure.
1: I mean uh, Vancouver is going to be I mean, It is yeah. going to be a battleground, It's gonna be a battleground.
2: It's interesting, I you know, I
1: Terry Beach is at, you know, at ground zero for this in, in British Columbia. He's in Burnaby North Seymour, I think the writing's called. It it is probably Parliamentary where, Secretary for fish. For fish it is where the shit will hit the biggest possible fan you can imagine. It's gonna hit the windmill. Yeah, they actually let them build there? Well But we, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't build anything in that city. <laughs> it is it's the terminus for the fan. So, you know, it's where the the battle, the real battle over the pipeline is going to play out. For yeah. some reason, because Burnaby residents are... are well, it's very, very possible Burnaby areas. South
0: may be home to a certain uh, NDP party leader in the reasonably near future. So is, maybe, Do we maybe, know when that by-election is I don't scheduled think, for? No. I don't think we know yet. Uh, I, mean, so. I think we've probably... To, to pivot to other parts of Cabinet, we mentioned uh, Jonathan Wilkinson, yeah. who was moving from Parliamentary Secretary to Catherine McKenna in the Environment Portfolio to becoming Minister of Fisheries. Uh, displacing Dominic LeBlanc, who has moved to uh, intergovernmental affairs, internal trade, and northern affairs, Yes. which is a very, very weird pick because he has no connection to the north, as far as I can tell. There are no Irvings there, uh, which makes his appointment... So the northern portfolio is somewhat odd. They've
2: actually just invested uh, $200 million in growing potatoes in
0: Iqaluit. Yeah, well, so I mean, that, he's not uh, going yeah, to be able to micromanage <laughs> the New Brunswick government as closely from there. Um, so uh, all the New Brunswick people, who all like the six New Brunswick people listen to this podcast are like, oh, man, he's throwing down. Everyone else is very confused. Um, yeah, so that that was a big move, I think, Um I think there was a consideration of LeBlanc's health issues uh, involved in this move. There's also, he's, I think, probably the most bare-knuckle person they have in that cabinet, so dealing with, with Doug Ford's Ontario government is mean, going to be... except for Prime Minister and Boxer, Justin well, sure. Well, I mean, that's boxing with gloves on. <laughs> LeBlanc does not... So, uh, some quick backstory for me and Dominic LeBlanc. Dominic LeBlanc is not a small factor in why I'm a New Democrat and not a Liberal, um, interesting. Yeah, I mean, and and, Tiana and I actually have very funny parallel experiences about this, and that we both went into university not really partisan, and came out with a deep, deep dis- distrust and hatred of the Liberal Party, and both gravitated <laughs> in different directions from there. Oh, interesting. Um, first year policy sci seminar. Well,
2: yeah. actually, no. First through fourth year policy sci seminars really. Yeah, I think they, they really, really tilted do, the table.
0: They really do a number on you if you don't uh, if you don't click. But yeah, so Dominic Bond is for me like the apotheosis of like coasting on someone's name because his dad was governor general mm-hmm. and, you know, a minister and good friends with uh, Pierre Trudeau. Yeah. He was literally Justin Trudeau's babysitter growing up, Dominic was, and, like, micromanages the New Brunswick Liberal Party and their government. And, like, it's just this whole, like, ugh, like, real... Is he competent? Yeah, he's, he's yeah, pretty competent. He he's he's, just, competent just, competent he's just, like, amoral, I think, mm-hmm. is is how I would describe you. An amoral liberal, say. No, I know. I so, mean, oh, no. he, he is like the textbook ca- Like he is he a technocrat? Not so much. No. He's pretty. He's no. pretty old style yeah. liberal. chrétien. He's like. a transactional. Yeah.
1: Po- old school Christian
0: uh, to, to give you this, uh, he literally like inherited Chrétien's seat because Chrétien ran in Beaucejour at one point yeah. for whatever reason I forget. But then Leblanc came in and took the seat as like a twenty three year old lawyer or something. Oh, the okay. next election. Um so yeah it's just very like inside baseball liberal of like you know generations of liberals and yeah. it's just a big part of the reason why i was really yucked out of of that particular tendency. It was so, Paul Martin for me. Yeah fair enough. Yeah. Also also a very good. Cuz i
1: i i worked, fun fact full disclosure. I have no partisan affiliation right now. I like to think I think i've said this before but i i you know, have contempt for all parties. Fair enough. Just not equal at all times. I like to rotate it in order to <laughs> be equitable as I can. But sort of it averages out. Uh, right? But it averages out over t- Well, well, not quite. For di- yeah, maybe for different reasons. But I, I worked on John Manley's leadership campaign. Uh-huh. Ill-fated. Spicy choice. Well, I wanted Alan Rock to to run. That I joined the Liberal Party because I wanted Alan Rock to run for leader. And then I lasted right through to Paul Martin won, and that was it for me. Fair is
2: enough. Alan Rock still the Chancellor of the University of Ottawa? No, I think he... Oh, wait, I mean, is, I mean, no, is he... I th- see, I th- is he seated that th- role? I literally I thought, thought, he, no moved down. Down. I thought no, he moved on. I don't remember. I, don't, yeah. I quite like him. It's it's still, still like him. So if, if you dislike all political parties, I would note that there's a new one emerging in uh, Alberta that you could maybe uh, support. Oh, another one? Yeah. Derek Fildebrandt has just founded the uh, the Alberta Freedom United or, United or, United the Party, or whatever
0: United
2: Party, if you'd like to be able to drive your car without a driver's license and claim that you're a, a traveler on the land, then yeah. by all means. It reminds me a little bit. Remember, remember when Gary Johnson yeah, traveler, traveler.
1: at the Republican, You know he sorry, Gary Johnson went to the Libertarian yes, convention yes, yes, and yes, got yes. booed for suggesting that people should have, should have to have licenses. driver's licenses? There was licenses. also
0: someone that got booed for saying that we shouldn't let children do heroin. <laughs> that was pretty great. Um, so to so come back to the, the Cabinet Chapel. So I, we talked about LeBlanc. We talked about um, about our fisheries guy wilkinson uh there's a, one Wait, other, one quick thing on that, that yeah i ahead. find that
1: someone i can't remember who it was someone on the internet i don't know maybe it was paul wells maybe it was uh, paul wells cut out raised <laughs> the point that um that signals a, a focus more on oceans and fisheries which i found really interesting because yeah. you've got this inches tension in canada where you've got two coast well you've got three coasts but you've got the two Pacific Central and the Atlantic yes yeah. and and there are that there's some tension between uh, east and west, between fisheries and between oceans. And what they had initially was one person from the coast, from the west coast, that was Terry Beach, and then one person from the East Coast which is Dominic LeBlanc yeah. I find it interesting now that they've doubled down on the West Coast
2: well we don't know that's true well unless because, they shuffle the Parlesax yeah presuming that a Parlesax shuffle is like well I mean I think there's, it's all, there's yeah. going to have to be some movement why do based... you, you know, why, it's not like boxing where you do the undercard first and then
1: the
0: main event <laughs> <laughs> that, that, would, that would be great because the speculation would just go into like yeah, 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 yeah they who, do that. who got shuffled out and who's yeah. going to become a minister you're welcome up down. The, yeah. by
2: the way you're welcome to the idea um, yeah just, just talking about the history of the fish portfolio very recently. Uh, in, this is the in, content. In go very back to recent the,
1: history. Go back to um, Brian Tobin, would you please? I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm
2: only going to go back to Gail Shea, but right, under the Conservative kind of end of uh, Conservatives 2015, Gail Shea, uh, minister from P.I., wow. was, of course, the minister of fish. Of um, course. The Liberals <laughs> took power and made Hunter Tutu a northern minister, minister of fish. Mm-hmm. And then it went back to the East Coast. Um, with Dominic LeBlanc, and has now finally, eventually, many years later, made it back to BC. Um, so with a with a, a sex shuffle, I would not be surprised to see Terry Beach lose that. Hmm. And and for some, they I, they have no for, shortage of yeah, people yeah, on the East Coast. For <laughs> for one of the many East Coast, they're MPs. polling at what
1: thirty one points ahead of everyone at Atlanta. They're polling past the International Space Station, Atlantic. <laughs> not not, they could. they're not going anywhere in Atlantic Canada I went and looked it up yesterday because I was curious and it is just that is so unbelievably solidly red you'd think it was Moscow in the 60s nice
2: I mean it's essentially the only place in Canada where the liberals provincially still have a foothold Um, right they they, once upon a time when they took power in 2015 they hadn't they a pretty much every government. A really
1: <laughs> Well, we can talk about BC being a liberal government. The, yeah. That, that's an asterisk. Well, and
2: Quebec too. But, and, yeah. They yeah. had a really good map, but now across BC, gone. Alberta. Well, never. Well, had it, had, no, yeah. <laughs> there. never in Never a factor, yeah. Nowhere in Saskatchewan, nowhere in Manitoba. Decisively beaten out of Ottawa. Um, the clock is ticking. Or uh, sorry, yeah. Ottawa. <laughs> the <laughs> other one, for Ontario, the uh, the clock is ticking in Quebec, uh, where they're like not that liberal anyway. It's right. fine, yeah. a liberal by name if nothing else. Sure. Um, and then the prairies are a bit of a different. Or sorry, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Atlantic Canada. The Atlantic Canada is a bit of a different story. But even Atlantic Canada, you have somewhat of a rebellion going on. Um, against the federal party, particularly on environmental issues. Yes. Just this past week, you had uh, the BC, or sorry, Jesus Christ. you really bad <laughs> The PEI, um, Environment and Natural Resources Minister, come out against uh, carbon tax. Um, and Oof. then even today at the Council of the Federation meeting, uh, Gallant went after McKenna a little bit with some of his comments. Uh, McKenna had been critical of New Brunswick's plan on carbon. And saying that it wasn't really up to snuff for yes. federal uh, expectations, and Gallant basically told her to mind her own business. And yeah. To, so they'll get into to, fingers, to look at Dominic and break his <laughs> finger and look to look at the other provinces. So I mean, like across the board, things aren't real. They're like that's the biggest dynamic change here, and I think that's obviously reflected in the cabinet shuffle. Yeah. Right. But how things are changing provincially cannot be open. The sunny oh, The sunny yeah. ways are not as sunny as they no, are. no. And it's happened so fast. I mean, the the country could be blue
1: almost coast to coast by you know two years from now right depends you know on, yeah. i'm assuming the bc liberals are effectively conservatives yeah on on balance i think we could that's a whole different discussion but they're certainly not liberals in the way you think of the federal sure. liberals that bc is more of a left right yeah u.s style system than it is oh we're gonna do very but so uh god help us all and um so you know it could in fact continue to get worse for justin trudeau right i mean the I'd be curious to think of this cabinet shuffle in the context of thinking what future shuffles will look like knowing that you've got blue in Ontario you, you could very well end up with it in, in Alberta you almost certainly will oh, yeah, and, and could it very well in BC within two years depending on what happens I would so be more then, surprised by that
2: So
0: it, it's also, the NDP has
1: a hard time in BC and I don't video. I don't think they've ever won back to back majorities in BC we could check that but I don't think it's ever happened Or 90s happened did it happen in the, happen 90s, in the yeah. 90s once maybe yeah. once yeah. Right, they
0: won a majority. Yeah. majority yeah that's yeah. right and then fell apart. Yes, yeah. but I think that the BC Liberals. We will get, we'll get too deep into it, but like with the um, the big report that came out about the money laundering and stuff. I think they, they've got a lot of questions yeah. They'll to and and their
1: leader has proven to be wildly ineffective and disappointing. Yeah.
2: So, so not only is Ontario blue, which is fine because um, relationships between I mean Ontario tends to be the opposite yeah, right. and tends to switch against the federal uh, leadership. But that was not the, a narrative you saw a lot in the provincial election. Yeah. Oddly, no. Um, but I, I would guess say, it's because the liberals—the liberals were, the liberals were pre-defeated. Yeah. Yeah, they, were pre- <laughs> they, they started the election pre-defeated. Yeah. But the relationships in the first month of Doug Ford's tenure have been with the federal liberals yeah. have been absolutely <laughs> abysmal. Yes, at, at the heyday of uh, the Harper-Win relationship, um, there there was some you know some hay made about Harper's. Uh, refusal to meet with Wynne for right. several months after she took power. Yeah. And I think there were comparable issues with McGinty once upon a time as well. Mm. However. It's not this like outright like
0: Twitter sniping and like,
2: yeah. Yes. Where it may have been a cold war between Harper and the Ontario Liberals. Yes. It is an absolute like bloodbath right now in yeah. terms in terms of relationships between the two. Like it's. It's also really interesting because Doug Ford's team is a lot of former Harper people. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: but very Um, different
2: styles. Well, Doug Ford personally has a very different style than Harper, 100%. But I I think when you sit Jenny Byrne in a room across the table Mm -hmm. from Gerald Butts. I mean,
0: I don't think Jenny Byrne is known for her like restraint and like lack of partisanship and ability to detach herself from like the political aspects of something. So no, but that, that's that is my point. <laughs> oh, okay. The I would thought you were arguing the opposite. No, I was like, what are you talking? The
2: about? fact that there's just so much animosity yeah. between the teams behind, yeah, the scenes, exactly, as and, well as now in front of the scene.
1: And no, Stephen Harper. I mean, I this is going to be, I think, perhaps a, a controversial comparison for all kinds of reasons. But Harper. Played the Tito role in the conservatives for a long time. Don't that is he, true? You know he did, and yeah. I don't.
2: Is that, is that Tito Ortiz the UFC? Uh, it UFC is the, Well, that and Marshall
1: <laughs> yeah. Tito. It was yeah. it was a twofer with true. with Harper, and he was able to hold that party together. And let's be plain to for the most part, park the crazies. And Doug Ford has come in and said, "I've got an idea. Let's do quite the opposite." And I think that what's going to happen is that it's going to unleash the worst. Not just in terms of policy, but in terms of, of diplomatic impulse, if we can call it that, on the side of those sure. in, in the in his government. And then you've already seen it. I mean, I think Lisa McLeod quite plainly disgraced herself in the early days of her ministry, uh, both in tone and, 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 of course, the subject.
0: Yeah.
2: Well,
1: and, and so did Phillips. Yes. He, he disgraced himself in tone and in content as well when he met with Catherine McKenna. And, and I think there's going to be a little, a little bit of both sides going on there. But it, I think it's very much the PCs who are being obstinate well, it's and the over, irritating.
0: The overriding political impulse on the political right right now is to trigger the libs. Yeah. So like if they're doing that for them, that's winning.
1: I heard liberalism is a mental disease. That, yeah. <laughs> that was a hashtag that I kept getting served up with the other wow. day after getting into a bit of a dust up with um, Candace Malcolm who works yeah. for the... Um, the Sun. Um, yeah, I was I was going to say something impolite. That's i you're genuinely it.
2: searching for the outlet. I was like, no, it's not no, the Toronto no, no, Star. No, no. I that's remember true. the Toronto
1: Sun because I worked in a tire shop growing up, and it would be the the paper that the dirty old men would come in to flip to the back to look at the Sunshine Girl. Yeah, of And course. I think that should be that is the epitaph of the Toronto Sun.
0: Otherwise. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, that is entirely fair. To so come back to the cabinet shuffle. Yeah, anyway. uh, <laughs> another substantial promotion. That like I'm this, this get podcast, to is like jazz. I know. Yeah, no, I building I agree, of tension it, and release. I love it. That's what we. Oh. I love it. Uh, so Pablo Rodriguez, so an MP from Montreal, the the former whip for the Liberal Liberal Party caucus, is now the Heritage Minister, um, yes. promoted to replace Melanie Joly in like Montreal.
2: MP. Is it just because of how he dresses and his beard? Well, he guys I, have a really good beard. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know what? Yeah, I do. I he has such uh,
1: the sartorial wisdom in that man. Yeah. Oh, it makes me. Uh, yeah. Anyways, it's a, it's a
0: top five MP facial hair somewhere after Martin Shields' Deadwood mustache. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually don't know much about him, and that's sort of by virtue of his position as the whip, right? Yeah. Um, entirely behind the scenes actor. Um, his I, I would note that his deputy uh, deputy whip also got the promotion, so clearly the liberals were liking something about their the work their whips were doing. Yeah. Um, or weren't for that matter. <laughs> new, new whips new whips haven't been named, um. So so that stands. But I, I actually don't know much about him. Um, he's from Montreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it, Montreal is actually really crucial in the heritage file, mm-hmm. as yeah. we saw with Melanie Jolie. It's, it's no coincidence that the new heritage minister is also from Montreal. Mm-hmm. In the post Netflix tax world, where M- Melanie Jolie's, you, you can actually watch it if you watch Jamal <laughs> and Pal. You can see her political career going up in flames. It was pretty, it was pretty um, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's. It is no overstatement to say that that appearance absolutely ruined her career. I think that's
0: fair to say. But it's, uh, it's, it's worth saying, and we've just said this in past days, that Melanie Jolie was, like, absolutely a meteorically rising star. I mean, a meteorist crashed down, I guess, and maybe yeah. she was more meteoric <laughs> on the way down, but uh, she ran for mayor of Montreal as a virtual unknown uh, in the last mayoral election before this most recent one uh, against Denis Coderre and came within, I think, two points? Two, two-ish two points, of points him yeah. in Sort of in the mid-20s, which was, like, phenomenal. Like, just completely came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, people from in Montreal politics, like may have known her before, but in terms of like, you know, Mm -hmm. province-wide and nationwide, like profile, none. Uh, and then she runs as a liberal and is appointed heritage minister, um, has been in that role since the election and like has done, has done, I think most people would say a reasonably okay job, No, except for like on different files. I think like there've been no, like, go ahead. I, I
2: disagree with you. Okay. I, I think
0: every decision I've
2: seen come out of that office, and I'm actually struggling struggling for specifics right now, but I've distinctly remembered nearly every decision she makes I have vehemently disagreed with. But to be
0: fair, you are a conservative, and this is the Heritage File. That's fine, and the Heritage <laughs>
2: File is one of my least favorite files. Yeah,
0: I think that might have a lot to do with it.
2: National Film Board, I'm coming for you one day. <laughs> but the, the meat of that is is internet policy. Yes. It, it, yes. And, yeah.
1: and, and I think... We are, if you look at the stats, we continue to be very, and it, and it intersects with industry too, because it's about who's in the competition and who's yeah. not, and, and whether or not, you know, how much of that spectrum is shared by com- competitive uh, companies, which is not very much. And if you look at the stats, Michael Geist is my go-to on this, as as he should of be course. for most people. Uh, we rank towards the bottom, and, and for cost, we're not getting any value. Uh, yes, yeah. uh, I mean, we talked about this earlier. I'm not... Sure, so is this telecoms? Yeah, and the yeah. telecoms stuff. I said thing, though, right? The spectrum
0: and all that is, I think. The spectrum
1: stuff is yeah. that, yes, yes, yes. But in terms of, of the policy around how we're going to deal with sure. with ISPs and how and and with Netflix and with the rest of it, yeah. It's, so a lot it, it's of it's been a weak. The performance yeah. has and been weak
2: I, and inadequate, and it continues to be bad. it's, it's CanCon. Yeah. is is I think the big one in that space, but. If you look at the Netflix announcement and the future of journalism, is, by the way, this yeah. is what her getting skewered onto a and pal uh, centered around. It was the Netflix. Thing. Was the Netflix yeah. announcement?
1: They got a bu- they got a couple of bucks for Canadian content. Wasn't no, it so thing, it's was right? so like, like Netflix I'll, was going to put money into CanCon. Is yeah, that, that, right? that, that was, that it, was like, it. Like willingly, I'll put it. I'll put it
0: this way. I think her her stint as heritage minister was, I think, doing a lot of liberal feel good things like flags for everyone ca- flags for everyone canada 150 and all that and then of course the skating rank. skating rink yeah, i supo- i, I continue down. to support that to this day i just <laughs> honestly awful i, I absolutely no i wasn't here but um no. but i think really like the big legacy is in as you said with internet policy is Really, like once I talked about Bill Morneau as the ambassador to capital last week, as that being the role of the finance minister. (laughs) Very good. The heritage minister right now is corporate
1: easement. Yeah,
0: it's kind of the the ambassador to big tech and the big tech, especially the big American tech platforms: Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, etc. And uh, Jolie has a former Google, their former public affairs head in Canada was her chief of staff Interesting. Uh, from 2015 on. like That sounds very liberal. It, it does sound very liberal. <laughs> so I'm actually very interested to see whether that person stays in her role under Pablo Rodriguez as her. Oh, I staff. hope this is a bigger problem than the liberal because government. Because they've been very, very, very close to the big tech. This companies. reflects
1: a deeper yeah. tension, that I think, is going to increase. It's going to ratchet up until someone's head pops off. And it's that the techs are a problem. They're a threat to, among other things, yeah. the future of democracy in this country, and we we're looking at this around the world with Facebook, but also with Twitter and with Google. It's a tr- it's an antitrust issue as well, and that permeates several ministries. Yeah. It's finance, it's heritage, it's public safety, it's defense. It's you know, insofar as that there yeah. are there are threats enabled by by these platforms, and they're, the government's trying to figure out a policy for what they're going to do about this, and it intersects with the future of journalism too, yeah. because that is a huge question of, of All the epistemic gatekeepers, we don't know what's true anymore. There's the rise of deep fakes. How do people get good, reliable information? How do we know people are out there keeping the government to account? And Heritage is meant to deal with that, too. And we've seen almost nothing on that front. Yeah, and I I
0: think they're they're unwilling to go there because they they have very, very good relationships with these companies Mm -hmm. and don't. They they I think are very comfortable with the self-regulation role. Yeah. I mean and uh, don't see a problem with it. To a certain extent, just to address your point before we move back to the cabinet shop, <laughs> This is all relative. It's all it's all we're exploring the it deep, is, the deep yeah. truths uh, of the yes. federal government. A
2: lot of the challenge that you said that you said there, of course, it's across many different portfolios. Yeah. Um and a bulk of it if it comes to regulating uh not necessarily ISPs, but these t- large tech companies that produce quasi-media platforms or media platforms uh, that they don't like to be branded as such. But if you look at the government today, the only area where they're tackling that is through democratic institutions. Or, kind of. Or whatever the hell it is. Well, on paper that they're tackling. Right, but that also involves
1: uh, national defense. It, it's been increasingly involved in defense does. public safety, right? Yes.
2: Um, so that's, of course, Karina Gould's... Um, Portfolio of democratic institutions, and she sort of got the mandate letter that said, um, "Look into this," and, and I think it distinctly yeah. says work with CSE. Yeah. Um, of course, is our uh, well, Facebook si- signals intelligence agency. Yeah. So it said work with DND. Uh, and CSIS I mean is CSE. It's it's more CSE than it is CSIS. Um but yeah. And then not much has come of that. Facebook, of course, has done their own announcement. Yeah, the the um, election elections integrity, integrity announcement. Integrity announcement. Oh, this is their attempt to capture government. This is their thing. This is their
1: play, though. Yep. The, don't worry, we're on it. We'll work with universities. We'll work with other businesses. We'll work with government, we'll work but with don't regulate teams. us. We'll self-regulate, <laughs> which has worked so very, very well. Just ask Vladimir we'll, Putin and the Kremlin.
0: We'll work with all the think tanks we fund. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it is the
1: no. I I done, full disclosure. I've done a little bit of work on this in my capacity as an
2: academic. And, and I don't. I don't think you need to disclose that. Well, I mean, I, in the sense that, in the sense that, I mean, I, I have, I have full disclosure. I know what I'm talking about
1: right now. <laughs> yes. I have. Uh, yes, oh, buddy, just, sorry. Sorry. he's just flexing on us. Full disclosure. I wrote an essay on this one time. I've read. I read. I wrote. Uh, now I feel like you had to. I I read. Move fast and break things. I like to disclose that. I, I'm a Facebook user. I have. Uh, I'm a poster uh, at heart. I am. <laughs> I'm a shit poster at heart. Uh, but no, I mean I've done work on on the policy side, and so I sure. I have you know pre existing policy commitments and prejudices, but you know and the government is moving on this. It's, they've been talking about it for a while, and there's some movement, which is encouraging. But it it has been a weak file for a long time. Yeah, I, I I was talking about this in front of the the House of Commons Procedural Affairs Committee recently. The the elections coming up. It's October 2019, and we are just not even close to ready. And and I am very concerned that by the time we have policy in place, it'll be too late to really seriously tackle stuff that's coming down the pipe in which which is gonna it could very well affect the how people perceive the legitimacy of the election. Yeah,
0: which is a problem.
1: It's so. a huge problem.
0: Any other cabinet shuffle uh <laughs> No it's fine. Wait, what it, what cabinet shuffle? Any other cabinet shuffle, like I, I think those were kind of the big moves. We had a Sohi moved out of infrastructure and communities to it, it natural a, resources. It was a three way swap. Yeah. It
2: was Sohi, car and champagne. Sort oh, of literally, yeah, that's in a, a thing. The trade
0: diversification
2: that, that's yeah. an interesting bit. So, the, the,
0: Jim Carr, formerly of uh, NRCAN Natural Resources, moving yes. over to and the trade wearer of a mean
1: leather jacket. Can we very briefly? I know, <laughs> uh, I know that we like to focus on substance and get into the, the value added here is substance, but part of value added, of course, is is the crown molding. Here's the crown molding that guy has got to drop the leather jackets and the, <laughs> and the indigenous inspired ties. It's a good look. I just wanted to add some. They could
2: they could have been gifts though. I don't
1: know. You got to wear those gifts. Well, I guess if you've declared them, is it the matter of you know like oh my aunt gave me this ugly painting that I've got to put it every time she comes? It could be that. That's the jacket I'm talking about, by the way. Yeah, mm. yeah, I, yeah, just, yeah, I, know I, the I one. find those ties to be maybe it, maybe it has. I find I, I I worry about the appropriation thing about the ties. So I find <laughs> it really irritating. But the the leather jackets, my lord. Yeah, I mean, well at press least, at least he didn't get
0: the tie tattooed onto his skin. Think about it that way. Oh some no. Other <laughs> <laughs> All right. no, so the, the trade diversification
1: thing. Yes. I find that very interesting in terms of, of uh, going back to the nomenclature question of signaling to, to the United States, to Canada, perhaps to China, to Europe, that there is someone specifically working on the file of making sure that, that we have a trade diversification uh, czar, so to speak. I mean, there's, this has been in the works for some time, plainly. But it is a signal that I think we need to move away from the United States. And it's well, yeah,
2: true highlighted it in the in the press conference. At the but, time. So, again, the, despite the title, the trade minister has always been in the business of trade diversification, right? Right. Um, that's why we but have the that's the split from the trade. But that's split from the trade minister no, now, though. No, it is the tra- he is uh, he, the he's trade kept. Well, Champagne Shop, is out. He is in charge of the trade portfolio yeah. within. He's still okay. So it's, it's still. Just, it's fair. Just fair. sort
0: of that NAFTA was Christian Freeland's. Yes, thing, and has sort of stayed Christian Freeland. So, thing. but there's should, another
2: bit of trade that moved, wasn't there? Okay, so let, let, let me give a high level because I actually know the trade the yeah. trade side of this really really well. Um, so global affairs, of course, is a, is a department you that has that, three. <laughs> <yeah. laughs> <laughs> that three moving parts. It has development, which is Bebo. It has trade, which was Champagne, and then it had Freeland, right? Right. Um, Freeland, because of her ties to the United States, was tapped heavily, heavily, heavily for the NAFTA board, uh, for NAFTA. Yes. And so trade, as uh, insofar as it was related to NAFTA, was removed from the trade portfolio and was tacked on to the Minister of Foreign Affairs. Right. right. Reasonably um unusual but in this case it made sense. Yeah. That left Champagne with all of the other trade, be right. it Mercosur, be it Pacific Alliance, be it TPP or be it CETA. Yeah. Those those are generally the the moving cogs on the trade portfolio yeah. right now. Um you know he did, he did a reasonable job steering his way through those. Um but he was you know immensely overshadowed by Freeland the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, ne- and then, of course, there was the dust-up with China about trade and the progressive trade agenda and all that.
0: Sure. When he got left on the plane in Australia and,
2: like all <laughs> <Yeah>. this, <laughs> There were this weird mishaps. There yeah. were certainly some hiccups and some mishaps along yeah. the way, but a lot of those were more attributed to the either yeah. Trudeau personally or the Pacific trade, or the, uh, uh, progressive, progressive <laughs> <Yeah>. trade agenda. Yeah. <laughs> Um, So, you have Carr slotted into the role, taking over for Champagne. Um, He he gets a flashy new title, but the job is exactly the same as it was left. It is to seek out new trade agreements with people. Um, It's maybe a small shot at the Americans if they're paying attention. Um, prob- Let me sure you, they're, 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 they're probably are not. Be a trade minister or trade diversification minister. The role of the trade minister was always to diversify trade. Yeah, right. It was never to. Solidify trade with only the United yeah. States, but the prime,
1: right? but but Trudeau's comments at the press conference were specifically aimed at the United States, saying that we've got to diversify trade in light of what's going on. Though.
0: To be honest, yeah, how much are they going to read into it? I mean, like honestly, I mean, you're it's U.S.
2: Have... Clear, plainly the U.S. noticed that. So th- this has all th- that's been a government position for quite a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the China trip, going to other trips, they've always pointed out diversification. It's always mm-hmm. been high on the agenda in terms of in terms of the pipelines. It's been yeah. about diversifying. Yeah uh canadian markets
0: for oil um i'm surprised the conservatives aren't jumping in to say we need uh like just the best trade instead of just saying diverse trade like we just like the best (laughs) trade should win (laughs) so i don't i don't see this as like huge (laughs) or earth
2: shattering i i think the the sleight of hand that's worth mentioning here is more with sohi yeah um that sohi has been put on the natural resources file yeah to Throw a bone to Alberta, yeah. But I think people easily forget that the whole pipeline purchasing thing was never a car, it was never the natural resources no. portfolio that was spearheading this. It was more yeah. no, yeah. This was a more no initiative. More no is the man who bought the pipeline, it yeah. wasn't car, yeah. And so now they're like throwing it back to Sohi in Edmonton, which is sort also, of remember? strange as, as if this has anything to do with. How they've gotten themselves into those pipeline situation, the answer is it doesn't.
0: Remember all that new infrastructure that was, like, the centerpiece of their whole, like, I do. stimulative, like, electoral pitch? I do. Yeah, I don't know what happened to that well b c got
1: <laughs> i should say b c got some infrastructure money to uh, add to public transportation in the Metro Vancouver area, so there was some there, which is encouraging because that's been a mess for some time but there wasn't a ton of fanfare no it it did become about the pipeline full and uh, that that leaves an interesting question about so he and remember Carr, car i now remember because car was at I, I made a mistake earlier, he was at national reserve right? Natural resources. Yeah. But I remember now, there was a lot of controversy when he talked about bringing in the army and the use right. of force to get the pipeline through. I'm very curious to see what Sohi thinks of that.
2: Uh, I, so, again, the, I think these are the types of comments that help poison political discourse. Big time. No, no in the opposite of the way you are thinking. I see it as a misphrasing, a throwaway comment that should not be read into in in the exact same way that uh, Harper's old stock Canadian line has become the tagline of progressives mm. and has been used till to, to this day, you'll still see it referred to as like yeah. part of the secret agenda of the Conservative Party. When ministers are talking, they often say things off the hand or you sure. know off the cuff and say things that are dumb and are bad, and they immediately regret and try and walk back. And people don't let this die down. Yeah, especially when you look at the Harper one, you can clearly see him sort of searching for words because of the way he structured his sentence. He was naming, like, different groups of Canadians and had to come up with a uh, a term that represented not the first two groups that he'd referred to. And he sort of stumbled around and he came out with old stock. And they're like... But does that betray
1: something about the way someone thinks? This is it. Does that betray something about the way someone thinks? If I'm the National Resources Minister and someone and that comes up, I don't think to myself well, gee, I'm going to send in the army. That would just never cross my it's mind. It's
0: very specific. Like, the old stock thing is a much more understandable. Yeah. Kind of like, ah, oh, what's the term for this? Like, I don't know what the ambiguity is in sending the army. Oh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. It was just going to be the, the RTMP. Like, <laughs> it's not better. Like... like we are going to crack skulls, but they were going to be
1: wearing red tunics. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: I'm going to do the, <laughs> the thing in the Austin Powers movie where he slow motion steamrolls the guy. Like, <laughs> like yeah, it's just like, I don't know what the okay. like, alternative so, read is on that.
2: So, Sure. <laughs> let's let's call that a slip of phrase or you know something stupid jim carr said but let's actually think about
0: i was saying the coast guard no no but if you were I to say this in
2: a <laughs> sanctioned way by the government the policy process behind this this would have had to have been reflected in cabinet discussion and cabinet documents essentially right. that when the cabinet was discussing you know this particular pipeline in the alternative options plan, there would have had to be, you know, plan C. Yeah. We send in
0: but like, the that... Princess
2: Patricia's
0: <laughs> Why is that incredible to you? I
2: just don't think any of this happened. I think it was a slip of the tongue, and I think it's not something that, you know, society should dwell on. It's a very henceforth. strange, slip, a very of strange slip of the tongue.
0: Like, I mean, awfully specific and awfully, like, we'll, accelerated. We'll find out 35 years from now whether, so. whether or not
2: yeah, the uh, cabinet document's ever reflected I suppose so. uh, um, an option with the Armed Forces. But I, I really just think it was a minister of freelancing. We'll, to, we'll uh, above and beyond his uh, So So, does, does that wrap it up station. for
0: our shuffle takes? Are, are we all shuffled out? Yeah, I got nothing left. Okay. Uh, we wanted to talk about a news item that has... Flown a little bit under the radar this week, at least not very covered, um, and that's a recent court ruling from Tuesday morning uh, about a charity group, Canada Without Poverty, which advocates for a variety of anti-poverty related things, uh, bringing a case against uh, the CRA essentially. It was Canada Without Poverty v. Canada. You can look it up, uh, and they were basically saying that you. you some of you will remember the subplot from a couple of years ago where Harper had ordered the CRA to... I, order. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just kidding again. <laughs> Personally and, had gone through yeah. the files. <laughs> 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 I destroyed them. Uh, no, but so th- there was an effort to basically audit charities for political activities because under, under the, the law around charities, you are allowed to do up to 10% of your activities can be what's defined as political activities. And beyond that, you, you're in danger of losing your charitable status. Uh, the idea is that you know charities are for charity, pol- political groups are for political groups. There shouldn't be taxpayer subsidized funding for the political activity in the guise of charity, which oh, you know you can agree or disagree with, whatever. So Canada Without Poverty argued uh, that its goal is intrinsically political and it is also intrinsically charitable. And in light of that, the judge ruled that they were correct and that in fact the entire restriction on uh, charities doing political work. Uh, was struck down by, by injunction Immediately. Immediately, yes.
2: So, council had actually asked for a 15-month, or sorry, a 12-month delay, I believe. Yeah. Sort of similar to the uh, assisted dying yeah. uh, provisions where, you know, they give time for government to react to, to change their policies to reflect uh, the judgment.
0: But the court sort of said, or the, the judge said... No, fuck that. As of today, it's done. There's no reason to have it full stop. Yeah, and that was Ontario Superior Court, so it it is still appealable, and I think the government will probably appeal to some degree. They haven't
2: taken a position
0: yet. Yeah. I I would be surprised if it didn't appeal. Uh, At any rate, so, I mean, I'm of two minds about this. I think, like, when you talk about charity, I think, like, I'm of the mind that charity is obviously inherently political, Mm -hmm. because when you have, basically, a simulacrum of social spending delivered through the whims of very rich people who sort of give to the causes they think are important and the causes they think are, are non-threatening fundamentally. Mm-hmm. That's a problem, and I don't like it. I'd rather that we have, like, a strong social safety net that ensures that people don't live in poverty, which is what yeah. Canada Without Poverty was kind of and trying to And universal systems instead yes. of ad hoc, yeah. you know, based on what's trending on Facebook on the day. Absolutely. So I agree with Canada Without Poverty in the sense that their their case that, you know, their charitable work is inherently political because they're lobbying for change to make life mm-hmm. better for marginalized people is, like, to me, 100% compelling. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand... This ruling opens what I think potentially could be a really big loophole for unregulated political spending. Uh, I think, because basically what he said is as long as you can sort of make the case that you're charitable and that your political activities support your charitable work, then you're fine. You can say you basically get... De facto super PACs that are funded. That's what I'm yeah. concerned about. So, I mean, With tax donations. Yes. Tax yes. donations. Yes. So, what I'm concerned about specifically is that the, the sort of charitable categories that you're allowed to claim are alleviating poverty, uh, public education, a couple others, and then religious groups. Uh, so, especially under the public education and religion, mm-hmm. I worry that people are going to do political advocacy at taxpayers citizens subsidized. for free speech yeah or like you know like the, the whatever foundation for the captain crunch foundation for strong borders and why that's really important they do lots of educa- educate i mean serial
2: smuggling is a real <laughs> yes. real pressing issue uh
0: but no i mean it's like i i worry that this does open a door for substantial unregulated political spending interesting yeah, so it, it might not happen I, basically I'll, I'll conclude just by saying that political would, but not partisan it, yes right, not partisan but a lot of things but, like are like non-partisan but still quite like you can tell who they're, they're are you for. suggesting that think
1: tanks in Canada <laughs> who are, are non-partisan might have I, de facto partisan I am suggesting that
0: but so, to wrap up before you get started before you tee off uh, okay. before you tee off uh, I just want to say that um, I, I'm just worried that you're going to have the sort of playing to the refs kind of thing that you've seen in a lot of media Where you're gonna have conservative groups launch some sort of like, you know, fairly nakedly political kind of thing that is pretty nakedly aligned with, you know, a conservative party talking point of some kind. And that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna, CRA is gonna say, no, sorry, this is like not actual public education, this Mm -hmm. is propaganda or whatever. And you're going to have them just howl to the moon and say, this is the biased liberal media, the biased liberal government, the biased liberal courts all coming against us. It's all fake news. And they're going to have to lay off because they're not going to want to deal with the political pressure of having to make the call of what is genuinely charitable or not, because it's it's a, a very political decision to have to make. And the cons- sure. like concert movement, conservatism is extremely good at playing to the refs on this kind of thing. I... Okay. okay,
2: I disagree with a lot of things that you said. Go ahead. Um, Tee off. Let, let, let me start with the point you just made. Um, when you when you talk about playing to the refs here, and with the CRA, you know, backing down based on X or Y, the CRA, you know, hasn't really backed down and has been uh, pursuing charitable organizations, be it like the Raging Grannies or whoever else, um, bird watchers because of their political activities. Sure. And doing this required them to make a determination uh, based on a, a look at their books as to how much of their activity in terms of communication yeah. was dedicated to political activity. Yeah,
0: it can, And I agree with that. But I think it's much easier to define the scope of political activity than it is to define the scope of charitable activity, particularly when you're looking at public education and religion. But,
2: and, and I agree with you to a point... Um, I I do think it gets complicated very quickly on both of them. But in the CRA um, page that you sent me that is effectively guidelines and policies for charitable organizations, they do talk about what constitutes charitable work in terms of public education. They They absolutely do. They they talk about, like, uh, essentially assessing the arguments, um, how it differs from – uh, political propaganda, things, yeah. things along these lines. Yeah, because
0: that's explicitly what they say in the, like the guidelines. is like it can't be propaganda, but like once again, <laughs> yes, like, and it has to it has to present and rebut counter yeah. arguments, like things along
2: these lines. Yeah. So it's certainly a little hazier than what uh, you know, having you know your financial accountant go through it and tallying how many man hours were spent yeah. developing because that's relatively simple communications documents, yeah. right? Give, give yeah. or
0: take. No, and sure, I, I, there are the guidelines. I just think that like this is a, a place where I think the conservative movement is very effective, where they will play just past the rules, and then if they are brought in check, they will howl about it, and then there will be a big outcry, and there will be all about the bias. You know, I'm actually... I, liberal I, CRA I actually going after
2: uh, differently about this imagine that. Um, I am... Oppo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, a, God! No. I'm opposed to Leroy Um uh, No.
0: I, Thank you. This was the last episode of the Boys <laughs> and Short Fans. Yeah. <laughs> Brought to you by Squarespace.
2: <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. I suspect you have to say that these days. Uh, no, just, just to finish that point quickly. It's that Typically, I, I tend to think that it's actually left-wing organizations that have been more effective in the third-party advertising space um, and that have been more effective in Is this cir- the Harper 2015 thing? This is why I have an
0: 11-week election that but it's yeah. up my <laughs> yes, holiday. No,
2: it's, it's exactly but it's that. Yeah. I, right? I, I
0: genuinely agree with you that left-wing groups were more likely under the old regime to be in violation because under a sort of left-wing analysis, you're much more likely to not see a meaningful distinction between charitable and political work. Like with Canada yes, Poverty, the absolutely. whole case was that poverty is a political problem that has to be solved politically. And mm-hmm. like, I think that's like, I would say that of most social economic problems that are often addressed by charities, that fundamentally <laughs> they're like political mm-hmm. problems have to be addressed politically. So if, I agree with you. If like, everything is
2: a big government male, <laughs> then, then everything needs a big government hammer. Exactly. Sure. I want
0: my big government hammer. Oh, my twenty thousand that be my Ottawa
1: hammer. nickname? I want my <laughs> Ottawa nickname to be big government hammer <laughs> if I can I, can I quickly interject? Sure, with, absolutely. With the, the, I, I think what's the, there's a, a tension here between what's political and what's partisan. And that, to me, is a deeply unresolved problem. It, is, it's one thing. We could say, look, it's all political. It's all a political debate. and sure. A debate. And it's a very Tocquevillian, you Heritonian. know, public media. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, but the problem is when it becomes partisan. It's when the political stuff gets attached de facto to a group yeah. and becomes a bludgeon, a big... Government, a big party hammer yeah. Yeah. for uh, you know the Conservatives, the NDP, or the Liberals, and that seems to be the problem. Yeah. And and but how do you make that distinction yeah. is the question. Well, I'll I I we figure out.
0: I'll single out an organization that I actually have a lot of respect for: the CCPA, the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, yeah. which smart. is a registered charity. Yeah. Uh, they do a ton of really great yeah. policy smart work. stuff. Yeah, it's really good. But like, I think anyone who reads their stuff could say, like, this is pretty obviously aligned with the NDP. Mm. Uh, I mean it's there's not actually as much like cross pollinization as you'd think and I wish actually yeah. the NDP would steal more of their ideas. Me too. Um but it's there right and like they've been operating as a charity for for a long time uh under once again the public education mandate i think so,
2: frazier is a charity too if i'm not mistaken
0: if they are that is astounding to me and i think a very good indication of what i'm talking about as a potential but they problem.
1: are they they are the ccpa uh, um equivalent on the right except for they're not very good
0: that's what uh, that's what i mean is that like i think the ccpa is very conscientious about the rigor of their work um where i think the Fraser institute is not surprising. they even get yeah.
1: the Fraser Institute even gets it from the right I
0: mean I'm, I'm yeah. right,
1: routinely watching right leaning people look at the Fraser Institute and say it's the fucking Muppets
0: yeah I mean I I would be politer about it but that's just I would I, I got nothing guy. to lose <laughs> no you're right you're, you're, lose you're, you're, you're not wrong I don't want an, I don't want an <laughs> invitation
1: to your dinner party you know
0: yeah Um. well they, they serve great Alberta <laughs> beef well, I'm sure you're, so. you're here now
2: you're, you're a long ways away from them
1: Yes, well, that's true. Are they true. based CBC? Yeah. Okay, They're I'm based CBC. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I don't, so, wa- don't want to be invited to any dinner parties Burn here that bridge. either.
0: Burn that bridge. <sighs> uh, but no, I I think that that's like the, you know, the Fraser Institute, but going just like going a little further every time, right? Okay, so where do we go? You got a big think. No, I I
2: mean... <laughs> <laughs> Your point is valid. That left wing solutions <laughs> target government more. He's right? a socialist now. You've done it. Hallelujah! <laughs> no, no, no. Left left wing solutions, particularly, I mean, from any perspective, really, target government more and try and institute change through government. Um, so when it comes to policing, how charities engage with government, that is likely to disproportionately impact charities on the left yeah, people rather. People whose analysis involves them going through that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um I don't think I can resolve or change anything about that. I think that is just a point of fact. Um to bridge a little bit into some of the other interesting things about the decision and that I that I learned going through the decision, um, is the 10% um political campaigning rule or what, whatever the hell it's actually called, the 10% or the 90% rule, um, is only for public facing communication. Yeah. Um, it actually includes internal communication that is, you know, deliberating on how they're going to be public-facing and mm-hmm. then they're public-facing communication. It's not actually for um, communication targeting government. Um, so appearing at a committee, submitting committee briefs, any any of these things are not
0: included. That's inherently
2: is, a public interest. question, Yeah, if it's though, right, formal is,
0: public appearances, yeah. that's true. But like yeah. meetings, like that would be lobbying if they were lobbyists. I mm. think we're not covered under that provision. I, I do believe they were.
1: I, oh, um, this is a big question to me. I, I yeah. don't. I don't know what the answer is. So, so, that makes so a big difference.
0: in in the guidelines that I was
2: reading, it actually talked about the ability of charities to hire lobbying firms. Um, Interesting, and that they could do more than ten percent before. Yeah, yeah, because as long as their ten percent was entirely government facing, yeah, be it. Uh, committee appearances, pursuing um, conversations with ministers, any any of your typical lobbying, that is government-facing. Um, so including government hiring firms. Including That's hiring very firms. That's okay. is interesting. Is, I'm sure there's someone listening who is better-versed, but that was my interpretation of I'm what I've read that, cause on Because that
1: it. reflects the, the concern that we discussed earlier about having these de facto dark money... The,
2: well, no, because... The way the gov- uh, the way the ruling is it talks about public facing political activities right yeah. and that's where dark money quote unquote comes in because dark that's money or spending, partisan right, activity basically. comes into persuasion not of government necessarily because anyone can do that, but persuasion of the public. So the argument is that the, it's checked on the government side by lobbying regulations. Is that yeah, 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 is, okay, is okay, lobbying yeah. regulations would, would come would into effect. That yeah, that makes sense. And you have to disclose that and everything you'd expect. Okay, but yeah. that it's it's on the public-facing side, and it's actually worth noting that in terms of persuasion of the public, that there are grassroots lobbying rules. By the way, yeah. the public is never persuaded. By the way, they're mobilized. <laughs> Let's
1: just get that. Well, out no, of. sure, Let's, but like
0: this is one of those things where you're going to have a conservative ad that says like. Wow, over nine thousand refugees, right? And it's gonna be a source like the Captain Crunch Institute for Border Security.
2: Yeah, I believe uh, in Count Chocula, but, Chocolate. Count yeah. Chocolate,
0: Actually Count Chocolate is very pro open borders, you'd be surprised. Did Captain Crunch serve in was it Korea that he served in? Yes, he saw some <laughs> shit, dude. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, or like you know, they is, themselves Can I have, get, a, have a quick question on the side? Yeah. What does your mailbox look like? mailbox.
1: Yeah, what kind of feedback do you guys get? a I always All positive. Yeah.
2: We get a lot of complaints about us not disagreeing enough. I so we get right? a lot of disagreement oh, interesting. today. Yeah, oh, of disagreement. Okay. yeah. this
1: is great. No, I love it. I you this you guys keep this up you're going to get invited to Paul Wells's house. Woo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we'll just order with great joy. Um
2: my, my last point, my last point, I, I just have to make this point because this was sort of my question going into reading the ruling, was why the hell is it that governments have to pay for charities to do political organization? I, I thought it was, I, I would have, going into it, I would have thought there was no chance in hell that they were going to win. Um, and that they would look at it and say, well, if you want to do political activity, just become an NGO. Yeah. Um, right. you don't have to be a charity. You don't need... Because the only thing that distinguishes them is yeah. the, the Income Tax Act. Well,
0: Canada Without Poverty, I think, had a very... Like, they had a very solid argument in that literally the first, like, category of charity that you're allowed to, like, register as a charity is the alleviation of poverty. And they argued that that intrinsically charitable role as defined by the government was an intrinsically political role. Mm. And that they were able to prove that through the argument. Which we've known since so, Marx. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> also... Like, the judge in his ruling pointed to, like, a House of Commons standing committee report. So, like, the government itself is cognizant of this. And, like, that's actually the narrowness in that ruling about specifically how it applies to... Poverty alleviation is the only thing I could see really checking this kind of dark money fear I have. I think, so I I actually sort of
2: disagree with your interpretation of the ruling based on my University of Phoenix law degree. (laughs) Um, Shaquille O'Neal over here. (laughs) Yeah, which I do not have. Does he have a PhD Um, education? I think he has,
1: like, yeah, from from some, whatever. We'll talk about PhD, yeah, anyways.
2: So the crux of the ruling for me was the discussion of positive versus negative rights. And that the government was making a claim, was, was making the claim that I came into it saying. Saying that, you know, we don't yeah. have to provide
0: you with Right, this. it's the 90% yeah. allowance, or the 10% allowance versus the 90% disallowance, it's, right? It's, like, it's a
2: privilege to be a charity. Yeah.
0: Um, you don't have to be a charity. You
2: can still have all of the, because it, it was all hinging around uh, freedom of expression in yeah. the charter, right? Yeah. And so it's saying... You don't have to do this. You're free to express yourself. Mm-hmm. By all means, express yourself. You just don't need to express yourself through special rules in the Income Tax Act. Yeah. Right. Um, what the judge sided with was instead a negative rights view. And it was that in... This this is where it really got hazy for me. Was that the government has the responsibility the onus to support certain types of... Um, speech isn't that the positive rights view though? That would the, the, be or sorry, the positive, yeah. sorry, perhaps the yeah. positive rights. Yeah, uh, mix those up. Yeah. Is that they have the onus to support certain types of speech?
0: Yeah, and in terms of present, he uh, what well, speech that would not exist without the governments like, allowance. Yes, on. and yeah. so he talked
2: about uh, the precedent that he, he cited here was in relation, particularly to the trade unions.
0: Yeah. Um, it was an Agricultural Employees Association.
2: As well as the case Native for... Women's RC- Native as well. Women's Association. Native Women's Association and RCP unionization. Yeah. And so he talked about the interplay there, and that's ultimately sort of the side he fell on.
0: Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, I, I think he, that was part of the analysis. Like, I agree. I remember reading that. But for me, the, the like, logical through line is... You have a charity that's saying our charitable mission is not extricable from our political one, mm-hmm. so therefore we should be allowed to be a charity and do our political work. Could they not just... And that was, like, the Could ruin. they not just build
2: homes? Is that not... <laughs> like, that? that's... Honest to God, that's what But there's a the difference saying, you know, we're if a charity that wants to build to alleviate homelessness. That's, that's what Habitat for
0: Humanity right. does. Like, there are charities that do that, but, like... You know, there are different categories. But didn't didn't think, you know, different a, That framing
1: seems to suggest there's a difference of saying, well, we want to treat the symptoms versus we want to cure the disease. <laughs> Right? And that's the issue. of you know, the pro- What they're saying, I think, is it's political insofar as it yeah. wants to get to the root of the yes. problem or it wants to, to treat and, and cure the disease. As someone on Twitter versus, pointed
0: out, it's, uh, the, the problems are bad, but they causes. Yeah, the causes we, are very good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is it. And this is my point, though, right? Is that it's
1: inherently political to say that not only is poverty a problem, we're going to right. tell you why it's a problem and we want to eliminate the, the root of the problem versus yeah. we just want to build some homes for folks because, well, they're fucked because of capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Which is the difference, right? Yeah. Now, I think this opens more space for saying, let's get to the root of it. Yeah. Let's rip it out by the roots. A radical
0: solution, if you will. Where's Zizek when he's naked (laughs) in
1: the bathtub reading... um, uh, Something. Well, I was going to say Maxim. I think he's a fraud, but anyway.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I I mean... maybe. I'll, I'll leave it there. I think that's... I just fall back to, again, the interpretation of positive versus negative rights and whether or not this type... We love... I'm assuming you're... Oh, I love... Your, we, we love... Positive as, positive as to whether right, or we're not we're backwards this backwards needs backwards. to be supported by government for this type of speech to occur. Yeah. I, I think is where yeah. where it comes back. I mean, that's an me. analytical difference,
0: I guess. Less than, like... A, yes. Yeah. Like, you just... Like, you disagree with the conclusion he came to, but, like...
2: Yeah. As, Which as, is fine. They, like, as, with,
0: uh, as, as with many court uh, rulings uh, recently. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I actually have serious reservations including, about this ruling because. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. In, yeah including I think it's going to be.
2: The lovely Como decision. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we ahead. should
0: do beer reviews. Speaking of. What's, how how, how we far like, is we We're like way deep, so let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so as Etienne sort of broadly alluded to there, we actually just had the Jar Como uh, Brut IPA from uh, both Flora Hall Brewing in Ottawa. Uh, on Flora Street, if, uh, you're, if you live in Centre and want to grab a, a decent beer there; they're, they're quite good. And Brasserie du Bac Canada, which is somewhere in Quebec, I actually forget. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty good. David, I don't know, I, I, don't know really... I
2: know you have a hatred of IPAs. Where where did you land on that one? I
1: think IPAs are artless and lazy. They're the Dane Cook of beers. Woof,
2: dude! But this was. You're, you're wrong. That's <laughs> West Coast. IPAs are not homogenous. All right, are, are not a homogenous group. Look at this one all of a sudden. He's yeah, doing it. the diversity <laughs> <Yeah>. politics. <laughs> yes. All of a sudden this guy's become an identity
1: politics. <laughs> See, now, now
2: that you're on the, uh, the East Coast. Yes.
1: This this was genuinely very good. This was Dane Cook and Dan in real life.
0: That was you know, that's lost on yeah. Deep
1: cut. Look it up. He, <laughs> but th- this was genuinely very good. It was subtle. It was it, so it was fresh. It was a good yeah. summer IPA, which I didn't think existed. I'm a big fan, and I, as we're, a supporter of Como and what he was after, because I would go. love to see, as someone who has, would like to see alcohol the beer, flow across the borders free. freely. You know, yes, let's have a free beer pipeline. Uh, I was a privilege to drink this beer,
2: especially since I didn't pay for it. <laughs> Always good. I, I note that it's a brute IPA, which is like a new style from uh, San Francisco, so certainly worth looking up. They're incredibly hard to find, so I actually went out of my way to. Actually, I, I sent my partner out of the way. To, uh, <laughs> there we go. To, Your wife the, it. yeah,
0: my wife, yeah. to uh,
2: pick this one up. He's a conservative once more. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> the other one uh, we had was a Rodenbach Caractère Rouge, uh, which is a, a Flemish red ale. Uh, sort of. We we reviewed the Duchess de Bourgogne some time mm-hmm. ago on the show, and I found it to be basically drinking balsamic vinegar. This one was like that, but better. Like, balsamic vinegar diluted with a bit of, like, Perrier or something, um, which French, is actually, it was actually much more refreshing and, and fairly good. So I w- the I French would, have w- a word
1: f- w- for him. Incult.
0: Calincult. But yeah, so that, that's my take yeah. on that. Uh,
2: it also, seemingly
0: in 2016, won
2: World's Best uh, Flavoured Beer, oh, there you I, I would point out. Do you guys know what a fowder is? It's the big, like, barrels, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a fowder, so it says on the uh, bottle, Aged in Oak um, So it's, it's probably not how that's pronounced. I, I don't care. Yeah, it's, it's probably Flemish. It's Flemish. Who, it's who like knows? It's Borigal. Yeah, it's it's a large, it's like a huge oak barrel. I think they put about 50 kegs or so. Oh my God. And, and the it's reason you use barrel. them it, rather than a barrel, oh. along with it being easier, um, but they impart less oak flavor. Sure. You can use them right. for longer. Less, and and yeah. less surface area, mm-hmm. comparative to what you're putting into it, because yeah. it's larger. Yes. Um, so it's like a way of lightly oaking beer. I see. No, that's smart. Lovely. Well,
1: it, it, no, it, this was quite good too. I mean, it was, I think, again, understated. There's a beer in Vancouver, if anyone happens to be listening from the West Coast, called the Main Street Barley Wine. It's, it's very similar to this, aged in, in barrels as well. Outstanding. I, these beers, I think, are really, really interesting, and there's some character to them. And as a whiskey fan, anything mm-hmm. that goes into an oak barrel, I'm well, inherently enamored with. So, uh ooh, if you find this beer, I highly recommend
0: it. It's quite good.
2: Yeah, I think it's uh, like nine bucks at the LCBO. So that, oh, that's reasonable. It's that utterly will, reasonable.
0: That will that will, that will that will do it for us today. <laughs> uh, that was a very long episode. Thank you for bearing with us through this cabinet shuffle and extensive discussion on charity law, which I hope you found interesting. You're welcome. Uh, David, thank you so much for joining oh, us. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, we'll have to have you back once you're properly settled in in Ottawa.
1: Oh, yes. I'm moving here now, by the way. Yeah, it's the, nice to meet everyone.
0: The triple returning champion. <laughs> Uh, so that, that will do it for us. Thank you once again for listening, uh, throw up the, the rate and review on iTunes, follow us on, at ShortPantsPod on Twitter, where you can see my joke tweets about Steven Seagal movies that don't exist. Nice. Um, and yeah, we'll see you next week or soon. Bye.